You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about the intriguing topic of four-second start and stop behaviors every marriage needs. I know that's quite a mouthful, so I'm going to explain it here as we get ready to jump in. But even before we jump into that, I'm just adding in on this podcast before I share it what happened with George Floyd this week. And I'm just asking that we could have a moment of prayer for him together collectively as we process what our role is in being empathic towards the situation. And his friends and family must be going through horrific PTSD symptoms. There's research coming out to show that even African-Americans watching the videos, baby having these symptoms, but his friends and family must be going through so much. And there's so much turmoil in our country and misunderstanding and lack of really deep processing and compassion. And I'm just asking that we could pray together, or if you're not a, a person of prayer, that you would have a moment of silence with us. God, as we bring before you this tragedy of what's happened in our nation, May it be a time when our eyes are opened to the needs around us. May it be a time when we collaborate with our brothers and sisters of color, with our family of color in the church and in this world, Lord, to understand that you created a beautiful, dynamic, rich, vibrant world. And that included George Floyd and so many others who have been killed unjustly on the basis of their skin color, ethnicity, religion. Father, we just long to understand you more and to understand your love more when we are in a world with such hate. I pray that we would not be agents of hate, but of love and understanding and empathy and compassion. And even as we talk about a few seconds that can make a difference in our marriages, may you help us to remember that a few seconds can make a big difference in this bigger issue as well, that we would truly put on wisdom and that you would really speak to our hearts about what we can do in that situation so that we can bring healing to our nation. Amen. Okay, so I really do mean that when I pray earnestly with you that we would be able to not only see this episode as a time of reflection on how we could make our marriages better with a few moments, but also our country and our world And not just think about it, but process it in a safe place and not just wonder about it, but read about it and research about it. And I'm leaving some great resources in my newsletter today so that you can have them from one of my absolute favorite life coaches of all time, Valerie Burton, who was actually the first coach's book I read to inspire me to coach after being a counselor for a decade. I have a lot of gratitude about what she's helped me to do as a woman and as a coach. But now as she's a person of color, I am so grateful for her Christian leadership about what we can do. And I shared that in my newsletter today because I'm so thankful for her leadership. And I teach the past history all the time. We always are going through 19th century American lit in my classes that I teach and To Kill a Mockingbird and all these other difficult stories. But I really think that in some ways those stories are are lacking because they don't teach us that it's still going on today and what we can do today. So I'm excited to learn from her again in this way. And I hope you will learn from her with me and others that are great teachers. And I hope that you'll take just those few seconds to be a friend and to, to find out from the people of color in your life, what you can do when you're wondering 
if there's a role you can play and there absolutely is. I even made an Instagram post for your Enneagram type if you're looking for what you can do in your type that won't feel alarming or threatening beyond what you can bear, but that will take courage and will take intention. And one more caveat before we get into this episode, I want to let you know that a few seconds is really helpful. It gets us back on the right track in, in both of these cases, but you really do need to understand that for long-term change, you need to sit with it again and again. You need to do these repeatedly. So it isn't just a one-time four-second interaction or exchange that's going to change your life, but it's keep doing it. It's keep inserting these beautiful little brief momentary blessings into your family and into your world, and you're going to see so many great changes. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode, keeping all that in mind. And you're going to hear my lighter tone because I recorded this before this event and before we were really pressing in and thinking about this as heavily. And And that's okay because we still have opportunity to be joyful. There are many reasons why we can take a light tone right now when we're thinking about having fun in our families, but there are times and moments for sobriety. And I really wanted to make sure that I added in on what we can do and what we can, what I can even continue to do too, as I've been not teaching the present, but teaching the past. So I'm going to be looking forward to growing with you guys and also just Excited for you to hear this episode on how you can bless your marriage. I really wanted to talk to you today about the behaviors that I think are going to drive marriage health forward in your relationship. And I also want to let you know that they're going to take only a few seconds. We're going to go through 10 of them. It's going to be great. And before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that if you leave an Apple podcast review at iTunes or wherever you're listening from, let me know so I can enter you in our Summer of Love podcast contest. It's ending this Saturday, June 6th, and I'm really looking forward to answering somebody's question in a 30-minute private session or in giving you my R&R relationship series. So check that out and leave a review if you're loving this podcast. I am having so much fun with you, and I was inspired to do this podcast topic today for a myriad of reasons, one of which was the research I caught up with this week on the intriguing topic of how a four-second workout really makes a big difference for a lot of people. It was in Healthline, and it was on May the 12th by, I can't say the first name, but I'll try, Geigen Mamaser, and it was fact-checked by Maria Gifford. And the article talks about how at the University of Texas, Austin, there's been research recently that reminds us or even just explains for the first time to us that it's not just these high-intensity workouts. It's not just these longer workouts three to five times a week that we used to think were the only thing that existed, but it's actually even for a lot of people burning the fat in these smaller, shorter bursts of even four seconds in length, if you can believe it, that's really making a difference. So when you're thinking, I don't have time for a workout, one of the first things you can do is just do a few squats for four seconds. And I just think that's a great start to even as we jump into the whole marriage topic and how we're going to get to this start and stop behavior in four seconds or in a few seconds. And I really want to challenge you and say, yeah, if you can do it for a workout, you can definitely do it for your marriage. We're going to go through these 10 things. And I'll just start right there with the very first one being that if you're feeling really drained in your marriage and in your life in general, You can make some very physical postural changes in just a couple seconds. So that first one for us is going to be physical. So if you're feeling like you don't have much 
oomph in your marriage or you need to be revived, don't forget, go ahead and start a couple of squats, do a couple of push-ups, sit up straight, take a deep breath. One of those things or all of those things, and that might take you 20 seconds, can be just a little lift off for your marriage. And it doesn't mean that's the only thing I think you should do for your workout. That's up to you. And I know you talk to your doctor about that and you and your spouse hopefully communicate about how you each want to make sure to get good physical self-care. But I wanted to start there with you guys because I thought that was both an intriguing article and a wonderful place for us to remember that if we're giving to our spouses, we need to make sure that we are trying to gain and maintain some health in our bodies too. So excited that my daughter also decided she might even go into the field of dietetics when she's older, my nine daughter Melody, because she loves and is so excited about bringing people health to their lives and self-care and she loves baking and recipes and she's like, what a great field for fitting all of that in together and I'm like, absolutely, I'm so happy for you. She's a born teacher, so she'll get to do a lot of that, but I hope that you're just really leaning in and listening to your body and what it needs and thinking about how you can help others when you are sitting up straight and having less back pain and all of the things we're getting probably with COVID. I know I've been doing more Zoom sessions. So if I'm thinking about giving to Wes, my husband, I'm thinking about what kind of energy do I even have? So just doing a few little tiny bursts of workouts can help between sessions or between teaching the kids that that really allows me when he's arriving to be with me, whether it be that we're waking up or later in the day getting back together, if I've kept those little workout bursts going or a bigger one in the day, that really revives me for being ready to meet him and greet him. And that's the second one we're going to talk about today, which is the start and stop behavior of your meetings and greetings. And I've talked about this on here before, so I won't belabor it, but I want to let you know that one of the most important things that you can do in your marriage is when your spouse first wakes up or you first wake up, of course, or when you are first coming home or greeting each other on the telephone, it's really important that you try to make that an intentional, positive interaction because that sets the tone. Just like we say in the world, the first impression is the biggest. It's the same thing in the day, in the space, in the time that you're in together. It really makes a big difference how you respond or behave when your spouse comes home. Or like I said, when you wake up and it only takes about four seconds to be the one to start the behavior and to say good morning or so great to see you when you come home or the person is coming home. And I just want to remind you, like I said before, you're the one listening to this podcast, so you do it. It doesn't have to be that you count. It's not like your joy is going to have an end to it. If you are doing a four second burst of a workout, or if you are saying good morning to somebody, it's not like now you're spent for the day. Of course, giving and loving costs, but these are very small things I'm asking from you. So I'd really want to make sure you're not doing a tit for tat, like, hey, I'm going to start this new thing where I learned about how to do these four second start and stop behaviors every marriage needs. It's like if your spouse is genuinely interested, sure, go ahead and work that into the conversation. But what I'm really looking for is for this to change you, for you to feel like a happier person and a healthier person and a better spouse. So that's the second one. Watch for your start and stop behaviors in terms of comings and goings and being somebody who's caring. It doesn't have to be that you're all of a sudden acting like this exuberant person if you don't have much energy, but it's okay if you're not in that place to do something else that shows genuine love and care and coming out of yourself long enough to notice that the other person's around because I know you'd do that with a stranger or a friend and I really want us to remember to treat our spouses just like that but even better. 
So I really also want to say another thing you can do to make sure your spouse knows that you care and to have this important four second interaction that's going to change things is to do a short hug or kiss. This physical bodily response goes all the way back and beyond to the John Bowlby studies on attachment, but it also goes back to, like I said, just history, just the garden when God saw Adam and he was alone and it wasn't good. There's a reason for that. Being together with bodily presence makes a difference. So I want you to remember that in your marriage, even if you're like, oh, my quality time is my thing. I don't really care for physical touch. Well, whether you care for it or not, it's good for the body. And of course, there are times when it isn't and you're bristling and you've been touched and you're like that mom and mom's night out like, oh my gosh, if one more child touches me, I'm going to scream and my husband better not go near the chestal area because babies have been nursing. You know, whatever season you're in, I get it that you don't always want to be touched a lot, but little light strokes or touches or butterfly kisses or little hugs, these are the things that humans have died without. So please remember that babies have a failure to thrive without touch. We really don't want you to miss out in your marriage on these and they only take about four seconds. So that's the third thing I want you to remember to incorporate. The next thing I want to say is that a text can be something to make just a quick four second difference in your life. And with memojis and bitmojis nowadays, you can even have a lot of fun with them. These are the kind of things that best friends do and that people flirting with each other do. And I know you don't want to have that experience where you're thinking, is my spouse exchanging funny texts and bitmojis with other people, especially other people they might be attracted to? I don't want you to do the texting out of that place, but I do want you to do it from a place of being on your game and knowing that in your marriage, you want to be your partner's best friend and you want to be the person that they joke with. Not the exclusive, I'm going to be controlling kind of only person, but the person that's fun and that they look at their phone throughout the day when they're working and they can have a little smirk or a smile and take four seconds to do the same back to you. You can test out the waters and find out what they like. I mean, I noticed on the office reruns I was watching this week that Daryl was telling Andy to stop texting him and that if he's going to text him, it better be a good text. And so, of course, you have to really remember some people are like, please don't, you know, send me every single thing on your mind today. Gauge your spouse. There are others of you who love sending every little thing on your mind and who track each other on your phones. In fact, I find that really interesting that about half of the couples I work with mention that they do that. And it's not at all the reason they came in. They just happen to mention that in passing. And so understand that every couple is different and you can't really look around to see what is the healthy thing for you guys. You just have to learn it, but it only takes a few seconds to learn. And we're always shifting and pivoting in life. So if your spouse says, "Ooh, you tried hugging me and you had bad breath and it, I didn't want to kiss you and having a, a bad day, the important thing you remember here is that it's all a testing grounds. Marriage is a place where we get to know ourselves and our spouses better and where we get to be healthier people. So you don't have to really worry if they're like, oh, that one didn't really work. It's like, okay, pivoting right now. And that brings me into the next. I want you to remember that pivoting is part of the whole process. And one of the things that takes about four or five seconds is a little bit of a thought exercise where you're in your mind and you're feeling frustrated and you're noticing you're starting to go down that bad track. And what somebody told me this week in session was, 
it's this thought that you just all of a sudden see you guys getting into that dance of marriage, that that unhealthy place that you know just doesn't go down the right track. And they say the line, here we go again. And what pivoting does is it changes the railroad tracks. It literally takes the freshly sown seeds that you're trying to plant instead of planting them in that rocky soil where you know it's not going to go over well or you have the deep roots that are already so painful it says I'm going to lay the foundation in a better place or I'm going to dig a little deeper I'm going to shift in some way that's going to help my spouse to know that I understand this meta narrative we're doing together and the story doesn't have to be this one route this one track that we're used to I'm going to shift the story and that just takes a few seconds it just takes some intention takes you taking a deep breath and saying Okay, I see us heading down this road. I'm going to do something different, not bad different, just different speaking the truth in love so that I know that I've shifted and that just was everything to our story because we know that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again and thinking you're going to get that different result. So make sure you're using a few seconds to pivot. I also want you to remember another start and stop behavior that's super important is apologizing. We really know that part of our faith language, if you follow one of the the big world religions of faith, is that you have a narrative of forgiveness, that you forgive yourself and you forgive others. I know that's one of my favorite things about Christianity is the grace, and I've talked a lot about that. So I really want you to remember that saying sorry to your spouse only takes a few seconds and it costs very little. Now, I do realize that for some of you, your spouses are tired of lip service or you're the spouse that's tired of lip service. And so you can't just say, I'm sorry, with this sense of, I don't care or it doesn't mean much to me. It's not that important. It's not one of those things that I want you to really fake it till you become it. Because if you're not sorry, don't say it. But if you are, it's worth it. Even if your spouse says, oh gosh, I hope you're sincere this time. You've said that a lot. It doesn't cost you to say anything. And sometimes that's their issue more than yours. And they have a bad history with people doing that that started long before you. Think about that if that's you listening right now. When your spouse says sorry, do you really listen? Or are you looking for trouble? And sometimes we are because we have trauma histories. So sorry is a really good thing and it's a really good place to start because we do need to forgive ourselves. Ultimately, I talk a ton about that on my Instagram page and here I hope you've been listening to hear me saying we have to be compassionate. We cannot ever fully judge another person. So please don't even judge somebody. Sorry. May need a longer conversation. You may need some boundaries. But sorry is sorry, and it's a beautiful thing for somebody to ask for forgiveness, and I hope you'll offer it even if you have to make some shifts and changes. So that's just one more great four-second behavior you can start. I also want you to consider point of view as another behavior that's going to really bless you guys and make you a lot happier. Point of view just simply meaning you say to your spouse, I see your point of view. Doesn't mean that you have to agree with it, but it takes about four seconds to say that and it really helps your spouse to feel understood. Makes them understand, I didn't just spout this out and my spouse disagrees with me or they got defensive or they withdrew or they criticized or condemned me for it, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but instead they really just said, I get it. That makes sense. I see your point of view. 
And that helps, even if they then say, I still really think this is the best idea. So why don't we try a compromise or my idea this time, yours next time, or let's see, let's rank it together to see who's really invested in today's happenings more. Or maybe we're talking about a holiday event that we both want to go to. And we can say, well, this is only about a three for me out of 10, or for you, it's a seven out of 10. Let's do it. I want you to understand that whether you need to go to that length or whether you need to compromise or not, the point you're making is that you do understand your spouse is not a villain, you're not a hero, and you have something in common. And that is that you're both adults who can understand there's more than one point of view. That's going to carry you so much farther than just saying, okay, I really can't even relate to you on a human level at all. And even if you're the one, once again, I'm going to say this, the spouse who can do this and your spouse isn't here yet, well, congratulations, you're healthier and you're healthier than you were yesterday and I'm proud of you and I hope that they'll glean from you. Typically, this does happen because like begets like and people start to say, ooh, you're more vibrant and healthy and that's happened in my marriage I've shared before where when I was getting really good self-care through a difficult season, of course, I learned this through being burned in another season, my husband was all ears and he was all in for learning just what I was doing to balance my life. Whereas before when I had become a therapist and talked about self-care, I think it kind of went in one ear and out the other because he wasn't at a season where that really was a necessary teaching for him. He was already naturally getting self-care. And probably then as he became a dad of older kids, he realized, oh gosh, I really need this. So even if you don't get it today, it may come down the road where you're doing these behaviors long enough and your spouse just starts to pivot and do them. So I'll be happy to hear about those of you who say, wow, it happened for me. It was down the road, but it really did happen. Another thing I want you to be mindful of is the looks that you give each other. The look of love. Okay, that was really bad. Um, (laughs) You're like, please never sing again. Um, But I do usually sing a little bit better than that. That was pretty bad, even for me. But I really want you to know um, that the looks you guys give each other are so important. It's really one of those things that is fascinating. There was an article in Live Science by Laura Gegel where your glance can reveal feelings of love or lust. It was a fascinating study done at the University of Chicago in their high-performance electrical neuroimaging laboratory. They really discussed and discovered that when people looked for lengthy periods of times at one another's faces, versus their bodies, they had more surges of romantic love. And of course, looking at the bodies, as you can imagine, would bring people a more sexual desire. But whether you're looking at your partner in the face or in the body, I want to remind you in this just moment that if you're giving your partner a look in the eyes, whether you're in the moment of intimacy or just the moment of seeing them for the first time that day or looking at them while they're talking with an interested gaze at dinner, you're going to help them to feel like you're attracted to them. And this is one of those moments where you can really choose to look at them with love and admiration and even say to yourself inside of your head, wow, I'm so blessed to be with this person. And these are their gifts. It takes just a few seconds for you to make the eye contact that we're so fond of making when we first get together with somebody. It's such a big sign of flirting. But Don't leave that out of your marriage. Don't leave flirting out of your marriage. I think that's one of the best parts about being married. I've never understood when people felt like you date until you marry or 
you flirt until you marry. It's ongoing. We have to have that playful behavior with each other or we really lose a lot of our sparks and it becomes very monotonous and it leads to all coupon conversations as I talk about in my Relate program. So make sure you're really spending time looking at each other just for a few seconds. The next thing I want to remind you of is the phrase, I love you. Think about how often you say, I love you to your spouse. I'm tempted to sing a little bit from Fiddler on the Roof about do I love you, but I've already graced you or not graced you with my singing today. So I'm going to make sure that I leave that one for you to listen to your fun Fiddler on the Roof musical soundtrack after this. But it's a great question, and I know we can take it really deep and say, just like his wife said, in that, Tevia and Goldie, you could say, of course he knows I love him. I fold his clothes. I do the dishes for her. Whatever it is, you guys may say, we don't really need to say it, but it feels really good to say that. And studies tell us that people feel more comfortable and safe when they hear and see our words of love just written on our faces with those gazes or said through our genuine styles of relating. I know everyone has a different way and a timing. Some people hear the words once in a great while. Some people feel great about it. They don't hear it a lot, but they know it's deep and real. I just want to make sure though that you know that the words I love you also, just like I said with I'm sorry, cost very little but they're incredibly encouraging words to hear. And I say them all the time. I grew up in a household where I said them all the time and I didn't say it to my husband until the words just literally flew off my lips. It wasn't planned. It was just when it happened. It was natural for me to say it. And that's still when I say it is when it's natural. It's not forced, but I really try to say it as often as possible because I know that that's one of those start stop behaviors that's shifting in positive ways for my husband to hear the words that he's loved on a daily basis. So I try to before we hang up on the phone and he does that a lot too, but we don't get neurotic about it if the other person forgets to say it. It's not one of those things, but it is important if you're feeling like all we ever do is fight lately and we never say that, go ahead and be the first one to pick it back up. It's not about counting who does it really in marriage. As I shared on Instagram this week, as we talked about trials and I shared this on the podcast last week, it's so important that you're not counting everything 50-50. The couples who count that kind of way, they usually divorce sooner. It's just not something you can do in marriage because there's just good days and bad days for each of us. And marriage is important, but marriage isn't everything. And yes, this is a marriage coach saying this, somebody who's dedicated her life to this study. I love it as a researcher. I think it's a great field. I love working with couples, just making them happy makes my day every single time I'm working with a couple, they start out their session stressed. When I see them leaving happy and joyful together, it's just the best sensation. It really blesses me. And of course, sometimes we don't have a perfect wrap up, but when we do have a good session where we're learning to flow together and I'm helping them to do that without me, feels amazing. I want them to have more I love yous in their day. I want them to have more truly sincere terms of endearment together. And I want that for you, or I wouldn't be recording this podcast for you. I really want you to try this out to be the change in your marriage. And I also want you to know at the end of the day, those good times are amazing, but you have to be happy with you and somebody who's able to be loving and forgiving of self and others is somebody that I want to be around and that others want to be around. And it makes you like yourself better. 
makes you not to take your marriage overly serious when you can say, we have a good marriage and we have good times together, but we also have some hard times and it's not always easy. And that's okay because I have more areas of life than just my marriage. And many of you don't spend 24 seven with your spouses. Some do, and you spend almost that much, but many of you only see your spouses three or four hours a day. And then on weekends, So you need to make sure you're responsible for your own happiness as well, not just asking your spouse to do everything for you and blame shifting and expecting that if they don't do these terms of endearment or these little snippets of four second activities that you have every right to hold on to a victim mentality and not be happy. Now, do I want you to be abandoned, neglected, abused with somebody who's really disrespectful, disengaged? No way. I want you guys to work it out. I'm not holding your marriage higher than God's love for you. That's going to have to be your decision on whether you're with this person. But if you've decided to be with this person, I don't want you counting. Just want you adding these up for yourself because I want to see you guys get happier. That just blesses me so much to know that there's a place where I'm helping the world to be happier and people to get along better. It just makes my absolute day. So now we've talked about nine start and stop behaviors that just take about four seconds. I'm gonna review them before we hit our last one. But I've talked about the brief workout where you just do a few seconds to reuptake, even if it's a few seconds every hour, that's the ideal according to the article on Healthline. The next one is hugging or kissing so that you can make sure that you are just getting that physical touch and warmth together for a few seconds. Texting, we talked about sending memes and bitmojis, and memes have been getting us through COVID. So, yes, absolutely send them. Start and stop behaviors when you're greeting each other in the morning or when you're meeting each other after work or long periods of time. Those are super important to just leave things for a few seconds. Saying sorry is another really important way for you to just go ahead and let your spouse know that even if you don't agree on things together, you're sorry when something goes wrong. Point of view was another one where you're thinking, okay, I want things this way, but I actually see that you see them differently. I see your point of view. That's just reminding them that you get it. You're not the hero. They're not the villain. The next one is the gaze, looking at them, letting them know you care through your eyes, just like you did when you were hunting them down to flirt together. The last one I shared is about loving and saying it. It flows out of your mouth. It flows out of your life. It flows out of your lips. So make sure that you are living a life of intention and love and grace and outpouring and the narrative and the story you're telling yourself about your marriage is a positive one. And of course, if it isn't that you're getting help, but that you're really trying to do your inner work so that you can flow and say, I love you to your spouse with true genuine spirit. So the last one I want to share with you is one I hinted at earlier, and that is complimenting. And I'm going to be more specific here. When you are talking to your spouse, it takes just a few seconds to give a compliment to them. And those words of encouragement mean the world to people. And I know that you really know this because it's one of the love languages and you've heard your spouse give you a compliment before. Maybe it's not your top love language, but it's an important part of life and marriage. And every time I work with a couple and I talk about what it was that they liked about each other at the beginning, it's pretty much I've shared before one of my favorite moments because I get to see them 
filtering back and going back to those early days. And it really encourages just for their spouse to hear what it is that you loved about them. So it's really just a compliment if you think about it. It's not that it's that that has to be their top love language, but it just makes them melt because it's a genuine heartfelt moment where you're saying, one of my favorite things about you is that you're so caring and I saw you working in the nursing field and loving on people or I remember my husband and I, he was chasing me down pretty hard in high school, as I've mentioned, but one of the times he was chasing me down and he actually almost caught me and and soon caught me was when we were at a nursing home and he was there for the National Honor Society and I was there for the student council and he was noticing that I was singing all the Christmas carols that I had all the lyrics memorized because my mom had taught me those carols and we had so many priceless times. My sister and I, my three sister and I, loved singing. We were assertive types and she would tape record us and send it to our grandmother. And we would dream of being movie stars and Annie because we loved that movie, the old Annie. And we just really had so much fun singing. And I brought that to that you know, time of caroling in high school. And of course, then it was all about impression management, just like that with the high school students I teach. But I was having fun singing the carols at the nursing home and getting a little bit lost in that versus my typical acting cool self. And he caught that and he really felt happy about that. So when he looks back on what it was that drew him to me, he tells me that compliment and it warms my heart. And he says, you know what I loved about you was that care that I saw that you were staying one of the last people to stay and you wanted to sing your heart out, even though you guys know that's not even my gift. Oh my gosh, sevens, right? And so he's just like, it really blessed me because you were there. And and then he insisted on driving me home and I brought a friend with me because I was still running. I love running as a seven. I've got that whole runaway bride thing just down pat. And he's all about commitment as a one. So I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I can take a ride home from you. Heather, come on too. You know, and he said, he was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this girl is averting me so much. So when we finally had our first date, I'll tell you what I loved about him. And we've talked a little bit about this before, but I really loved that when he finally caught me and I sat down with this Bible club, football playing, totally different type of country guy as opposed to my complete alternative Pearl Jam, wearing thrift store clothes. You remember this era, some of you, just absolutely polar opposites. First concert was Green Day. It was so shocking to see how much I loved him that first date. And I tell him that when we go back to that compliment time, I say, oh my gosh, well, the first time you ever took me out to the movies and then for a piece of pie afterwards, which was so classic in 1950s of you and so odd to me, I said yes somehow and I fell in love with you that night. And it was because you were so kind and nice and so easy to talk to. And I'm sure some of you who know ones in your life find them that way and so safe. So I really remember that. And that's a compliment that, of course, ones really love genuine compliments, but that I can absolutely pay him sincerely and say, this is something I love about you, that you're safe to talk to and you're a great listener. And he can tell me he loves the way I care about people. So Be genuine when you are giving a compliment, but as you heard me tell you the whole story, you don't have to go that far. You can just tell one for about four seconds if you want, and that could be as simple as one I told my husband yesterday, which was, you're so good at this video game. 
And I was really just surprised because he and my son are playing Lego Ninjago. And I was like, okay, this is so boring to me. But for you, this is really fun. And you picked it right up. And that makes me happy because our son, who seems to be a developing six, loves time together. And it just blessed my heart to see him doing that. So it took me about four seconds to say that. And it was nothing I had to premeditate. Please don't think you have to give back the story about the first meeting but just let them know that you see them. I think that's probably the biggest thing I want for you guys this week is to just see each other. Take that pause, take that pivot, take that moment to say I love you or a moment to give a long look or a longer kiss. Take a moment to straighten up, to work out, to get yourself in that place where you're realizing I need to be healthy so that I have energy. Make sure you are just pivoting when it's time for you to have a healthier perspective. You're done lamenting. You're not King David who's going to stay on the ground all day anymore and lament. Even the most horrible things, he got up. You've got to remember that, guys. We need our time in grief, but we have to get up afterwards, wash our faces, eat, and live life because life is waiting to be lived. And marriage is a great place for healing traumas, not just staying stuck in them. So I hope this has been a great time for you to just reuptake and get back on track for your marriage. I know I'm ready to go try these tips out with my husband. We are going to be going to the beach in a social distancing kind of a way here in Florida. So I'm looking forward to that. We're going to be trying out a new place. DeSoto Preserve with kayaking tonight. So that should be fun. And I hope I get to not have any sharks because my six wing is being overactive. So I'm not going to think about that right now. I'm just going to think about the fun time we're going to have. And I really hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget to leave a review for the podcast Summer of Love contest. And also there's a cool course out. Don't forget to check it out at Enneagram and Art. You may know Kelly and Audrey, they are doing something amazing with their course over at Enneagram and Art. So you can check it out at my IG today. I have their link up in my bio and also in my stories. And I really hope you enjoy that if you do it. It's an awesome course and they're amazing ladies with the most beautiful gifts. So check them out. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.